0: I'm Charlie Albone, and welcome to episode 8 of That's How We Grow in partnership with Steel Garden Power Tools. Garden design is a massive passion of mine, and in terms of professional achievements, my garden designs at the 2015 and 2016 Chelsea Flower Show stand clear. I've won two silver gilt medals, and I can't wait to go back and try and claim a gold. Held in London, Chelsea is the best garden show in the world, and I love to visit it every year if I can. To be able to demonstrate and show our work there, is a truly amazing experience. The Chelsea Flower Show is gardening nirvana. To see the different designs and ideas people present it's inspiring and amazing. Garden designers from around the world share their creations helping to impart their knowledge on other experts as well as those up and coming green thumb gardeners. Whilst events like flower shows are simply amazing, we can't always recreate every part of those designs at home. The one key lesson I've learned is to work with the landscape you're given as you can't beat mother nature trying to use your favorite plant in an environment that it's not suited for will very rarely work. So how does the garden planning process begin? Where do you start? Do you need an expert? Well, to break all of this down, I've invited my old friend Michael Bates to join me today. Now, Michael is an incredible landscaper and a designer in his own right. He's got over 30 years of experience in the game, and he has been lucky enough to work on some amazing gardens. So let's take a fresh look at the garden space and see what we can create. Michael, you have over 30 years of experience in the landscape industry, and I've known you for quite a few years, but I've never actually asked you, how did you start in this crazy business we call
1: landscaping? Well, Charlie, like a lot of people, um, you know, I was finishing school, and uh, back then they didn't have the internet, they had careers books, and uh, Mm -hmm. I was ADHD, kid, undiagnosed, and I just wanted to work outside, and I looked under the outdoor careers and saw the word horticulture. I thought it looked like a fabulous idea, and... I um it started at that got an apprenticeship at Swain's Nursery as a nurseryman, and yeah. then when I got into Hawkesbury Agricultural College, I I went in a nurseryman and came out a landscaper. <laughs> How did that work out? Well, the great thing about Hawkesbury back then, or it's now the University of Western Sydney, was that uh, it it had this systems learning where they they, they basically in. in, in Indu- inducted you into the whole world of horticulture, amenity horticulture and production horticulture and gave you a very mm. well-rounded understanding about plants and uh, I, I thought I was a nurseryman but by the end by the end of the landscape component I was hooked.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean you create some of the most amazing iconic gardens around Sydney and you're a, a landscape designer in your own right. I mean you build for other designers as, as well as yourself. What is it that you love about the landscape
1: industry? Well, I think I love it from start to finish. I mean, um, I was designing gardens when I first first came out of, of of Hawkesbury, and then I went to Ryde to fill in the holes because Ryde School of Horticulture mm-hmm. back in the eighties was was uh, you know this extraordinary dynamic place, and um, I was designing gardens for a while, and then and then and then uh, family came along, and and I wasn't really. Uh, getting enough work in as a designer so I started building gardens seriously and uh, mm. I became hooked on that and fortunately for me I, I was I've been able to over the last few decades to work with some of the you know the the greatest designers in the country architects garden designers landscape architects whole range of people mm. and you know back in the 2017 when I launched my book I I re, relaunched the design practice and and uh you know employed an operations manager like you have, so that the day to day activity of building gardens is is taken over by somebody else the lion's share of that and uh and uh you know it's just taken off.
0: I love the way that you combine the practicality of Australian outdoor living with kind of a calm, cool aesthetic. Can you tell me about your approach towards garden
1: design as you say my my process is a bit back to front because I start mm-hmm. with the site and I start with. Um, doing all the site analysis, all that fundamental stuff, where the sun is, what, what drainage issues are, the soil we've got, you know, the level differences, uh, access to the to um, the street, um, you know, the flow spaces from the house and the, the interface between the interior and the exterior of the home. And so my design process isn't on paper. It's okay. in the field. Mm. And so I had this collaborative on-ground workshop process with the clients, and I, I find it's really important to get everybody on the same page, <laughs> although it's on the ground. And so I, I use use spray paint, string lines, and, and mock up the garden, and try and describe what it's going to be or what the options are for the site in four in four dimensions, because we're we're four-dimensional designers. People people mm-hmm. don't understand that the fourth dimension is time, and that time because we're dealing with plants and plants grow and they start like little seedlings and then they grow up and they become trees and then they pr- provide a canopy and then they, cha- they transform a space. And so yes. trying to have everybody understand that in their own garden, at home, in their place, and you, 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 also, you also get access to the, the, the knowledge of the site. They know where the mm. breezes are. They know where the best place to sit in winter is when you're seeking a bit of sun. They know where the best places are in summer when you're seeking a bit of shade. And they also, <clears throat> they instinct people instinctively craft their spaces even before they have a designer come in. And so you've got to tap into that. And yes. the other thing I do, Charlie, which is uh, is, is sort of like marriage counselling psychology, is, is that in the first meeting, which is a two-hour workshop after the briefing meeting, is yep. that is that we no idea is a bad idea, and yes. I do that for two reasons. I do that firstly because there's always somebody who's got a fixation or something that they 're really focused on, and their partner may not agree with that but if we if if no idea is a bad idea, then it gets ventilated, and quite often the person lets go because they understand that they 've been heard and they understand that it's in it's in the it 's in the mix it's in the matrix we 're going to consider it, and so yep. it neutralizes a whole lot of a whole lot of issues. And the second reason is that sometimes some of the, you know, a dumb idea ventilated can be discarded much easier, but also an idea which isn't that, isn't that bright on, on the outset could inspire a good idea down the track. Could just be a spark. It could. It? To activate people's own creative energy and also to to get the story about what it is because I see myself as a facilitator, not as somebody who's mm. turning up knowing all the answers. I'm there just to uncover the answers and come up with the best compromise you work with a client don't you it's <coughs> inevitably
0: it's their garden you're a designer who's coming to help them make yeah. the most of their space but but they're the ones that are living
1: with it right well, you, I, well after it's all said and done you can go away and disappear you don't have to care what I, it looks I, like. I, charlie that's exactly exactly right i always say when i'm finished you're going to pay me and i'm going to go home and you're going to stay here so let's make it just yeah. the way you want it i'll do what i want yeah, at my uh, place
0: yeah, absolutely, and your place is is lovely. I like the way I've been lucky enough to go there. You've just got really simple breakout spaces to draw you outside. Can you tell us a bit about your house?
1: Yeah, so so my my home in the city. We've got four kids, and they're all adult kids now. But you know, as they were growing up, you sort of realise that you have family life and what your garden brings and its connection to the home. It, it's many. There's many. There's many parts to it. So what I've learned over the years dealing with you know. Twelve or thirteen hundred people and their homes is that you've got the the infant years, the sandpit and 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 and, and um, adventure playground, cubby house stage, scooter stage, and then you've got the, the, the and then you've got the next stage where 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 you know they're in in between and they still want to kick a ball and the, the garden's big enough for them to do that, but you've got the you know all the trade offs there, mm. and and then you've got the teenage hangout. And, and, and actually trying to lure your um, your teenage kids and your adolescent children to come to, to come to your place and to bring their friends there. Yeah. And then you've got where I'm at, which is the uh, adult children where they're coming home and our place is the place they come to to host events and bring their friends and you get to – it's a honeypot. You get to bring the, their friends around and you can get to know who their friends are. You can get to know what's happening on the ground floor of – you know, the next generation of young Australians.
0: And it's, and it's all about getting them out in the garden and, and having those experiences. Absolutely. Which is what gardening's about, I guess. You know, it's, it, it's, yes, as a designer, you want something to look nice and it's always nice to look at a picture and go, oh, I created that. But really you're creating a space to have experiences in and, me- and create well,
1: memories in. Well, you're absolutely right, Charlie. Thomas Church, the great Californian designer, said that gardens are to connect house to landscape, plant to soil and humans to nature mm. and i mean i i can't tell you you know how important it is to get the children off their screens out into the garden to see the birds and the bugs and the the fish in the pond and the mm. the frogs and and all of that stuff and all of that stuff if you create a nice garden a living garden it's not just living plants we've got brush turkeys and possums yeah they're annoying but we've also got herons and and in the city and we've got, uh, you know, lorikeets that come down to the pond and, and crows and, and we've got, we got, you know, there's all, these, there's all these creatures that can come into the garden and connect you to, to the sort of living dynamic of, 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 of nature.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you as, uh, you're not just a, a, an amazing designer and builder, but you're a good gardener as well. And I think a good designer can't be a good designer without being a good gardener you agree well
1: well yeah well definitely the knowledge of plants is gained by hands-on experience with them yes but what i've discovered in my process over the over the past t- uh, 3 decades is is that i started out with the plants and that was was what was driving me and then you know as a, as as a, as a young man it was all about you know building the 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 best you know most sophisticated highly engineered, all the hard works, the stone mm. walls and the steps and the pergolas and, 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 and the greater, the bigger, the better. was you know, It was very exciting. And then I've come around back to the plants because they're the most transformative and the most therapeutic component of it. When I go to the Blue Mountains, I've got a place out in the mountains, which you've been to as well. Yes. I just spent last weekend gardening. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, other yeah. than having a sore back and, and you know, it, it, it was the most worthwhile thing I could do. Yeah. was to get out there on the Toro. Get I got I, I actually I got the new steel battery hedger. You'd be pleased to oh, know. Good, good. Well, <laughs> I am mad about it. It's just <laughs> you know there's no more starting petrol things. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. and the battery and the battery. I couldn't just, wear it out. I, I was going into the dark. That's it. I, I find I
0: can't wear it out before I've charged another one. You know, by the time it's, you know you just they're amazing. It's so much better than yeah. petrol. But yeah.
1: oh, it, it, it's it's sped everything up. Yeah. less noise. The thing about gardening is it's a very optimistic activity. I mean, you don't dig a hole and put, it, put a plant in the ground unless you think it's going to grow. Yes. Yeah. And
0: the absolutely. more you
1: do of it, the more you know. The more you do of it, the more you know. You know it's, this, it's this beautiful, virtuous cycle where, you know, if you clean the house, it gets dirtied again, you know, it gets messed up again. But if you do something in the garden, next time you come past, the plant's grown, the plant's responded mm. to what you're doing. I like to do the stuff that where there's visual transformation. I like to get out there and 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 do some you know do some pruning and 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 do some clearing out and do, you know uh, where, where you where you put in le- the least amount of effort and get the most visual transformation. Yes. You know the the boring weeding stuff. I, I sort of you know I leave that to other people. But uh, but. The, 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 Somebody said to me once, you're a glory gardener. <laughs> you just do all the stuff that everybody notices. And I said, yeah, mate. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I like
0: a bit of both. I do like glory gardening, as you put it. But then I get, uh, my meditation is weeding. And, and I think it's it's never done. It's like cleaning the house. You know, you always have to do it. And as soon as you realize that, then you can just keep doing it. And it doesn't matter when it stops and starts because it's something that's always
1: going to be there and always well, keep going. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I, I was on the phone the other day in the garden. And uh, I didn't even realise I was doing it. And I I turned around and finished this very long, detailed conversation. It was a pile of weeds you could fill a green bin. (laughs) It just (laughs) happened. I know.
0: Yeah. It was like,
1: oh, that's fantastic. I didn't even think about it. So do you like uh, building
0: your own gardens or do you prefer building gardens by other designers? Because you work for a lot of, you know, Australia's finest designers. What do you prefer, designing or, or building,
1: or well, I like, I like both. I think I think one of the great things, fortunate things about my career path is that is that I've ended up sharing and being you know, firsthand involved in other people's design process, their creative process, and hmm. how they work and how they how how they develop the ideas as as we as we're physically building the garden, because you know. If you're doing proper landscaping, you're really changing the space. And if you think you understand exactly what should be done at the outset, then you're very clever. You know, most of us are halfway through and realise that you need to make that slightly longer or that slightly taller or that slightly... <clears throat> when you mm. actually feel it and the materiality, and, and but still, the, you're informed. You say that that feels. It's like any any building of a house. There's moments where it feels really big, and there's moments where it feels really small. And then, hopefully, when you're finished, it's just right. Yes. So, so I I, I like working, particularly with his younger designers. I think it keeps me fresh because some of the fashions and some of the things that we thought were gospel. Mm. You know, thirty years ago, have just been discarded, and I think they've been well discarded. Yeah, I think I think what's going on is, I I, I I mean, I hope I I remain open and and interested in what in what other good practitioners are doing for the rest of my life. I I want to be like Russell Page. I want to work until I'm ninety two, <laughs> and, and and still be learning.
0: Yeah, it's uh, when it comes to garden design, I guess. There's no, like you said, there's no wrong answer, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's plenty of ways to do things. There's, there's millions of different layouts for each and every gardener. And it must be interesting to see how different people approach that as well as, you know, the way that you would approach
1: it if, if you were the designer, I guess. And I think that's helped inform my process. And it's not just the process. It's actually the styles and, mm. and the aesthetics. And, and there's people who have got plant-driven design. There's people that have got you know, a particular shtick, you know, a particular approach to, to gardens, and, the, and they try and bend each garden to their particular approach. Mm. And then there's people that, that want to invent a new thing every day. And I see the two key ingredients of good garden design as being context, so, you know, making sure that whatever you're designing is going to fit in with its surroundings, the surrounding streetscape, uh, it, the, the architecture of the home that's, mm-hmm. that, you, that you're actually living in, the way it flows and, and encourages you to, to go from inside to outside. And the second component is that it works, that you're living in a flourishing, growing, transformative garden and that it's the same as your children. That, that it starts out in, and if you don't think of your garden in terms of the same sort of time period, mm. you know, if you're not thinking about it in seasons and years and decades, then you're always going to be disappointed, and, you, and you're going to miss. The, you're going to really miss the point of what it is to live in a great, living, breathing, moving, dynamic system that is a garden. Well, like
0: like a family, it's. Uh the things that you invest the most amount of time in are ultimately the most rewarding. You know, we live in this crazy society where we, we check our phones the whole time. And if we don't see something new on Instagram, we get annoyed, you know, but but really it's the things that you take the most amount of time with that are ultimately the most rewarding. And that is your family and your garden. You, you, you nailed that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure providing those facilities and amenities for family life to happen, you know, mm. the, the, the fire pits and the, an the outdoor lounge and the teenage hangout and the outdoor shower and the dining, and all of those different spaces that that Australians want to do their activities inside, they want to do the same activities outside. Yes. There, there's that component to it, but it, but it's it's I think it's also it's a way of life. Mm. It's it's an acceptance that because I think you know we should have two gongs at, in our gardens. We should have one in the front when we come home. It's a gratitude gong, and you just bang. I love my beautiful home, and I'm so glad to be here. And and you're going into the cocoon. You're going into the sanctuary. It's it's an escape, as you say, from the busy, bustling, stressy life that we that we tend to live. Mm. And it, it's your it's a place for refuge. It's the place for regeneration. It's the place for rest. And I think, you know, recent times with people working from home, I I couldn't think of anything worse. I think home's home, work's work, and separating those two are uh, are important. And the other gong, Charlie, I think, is, is the acceptance gong. And that's out the back. And it's like, you know, if you're not feeling grateful, you need to accept that the world's not perfect and that the snails are going to come and eat your hostas. <laughs> and, you know, yes. Uh, yeah. and, and the weeds are going to grow faster than the other plants. And, and that the tree that you thought was going to do hasn't performed or, or what, you know, all of those mm. things. There's a certain amount of acceptance.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, on top of building and, and designing and maintaining and all that stuff, you're an author as well. You, you penned the, the new Australian garden. I'm finishing my a book myself um and that's about inspiring people to get into gardening but at what point do you think someone should get a professional designer in to help them with their new landscape
1: well i'm i'm somebody who thinks that professional advice is absolutely imperative in all in all parts of life mm. so whether you're getting you know getting good medical advice if, for your health or you're getting good Know, a, a, a advice for personal trainer. Who's you know physiotherapist? If there's something wrong, you know, um, if, if you're going to write a book, talk to a publishing author. You know, yes. a publishing lawyer. Don't just talk to any old lawyer. I mean, if you're going to you know deal with industrial relations, don't deal with a lawyer who doesn't do anything but industrial. So I'm I'm a I'm a believer that specialist knowledge where people have spent decades. A gathering experience and and have instincts and intuition that's de- developed from real practice over the over those years, so I think everybody needs help in that in that area mm. um, uh, having said that you know some some of the some some people who are prepared to make mistakes and and learn from their mistakes and be very uh, diligent and, and hardworking, they, they can do it on their own, but I see so few gardens that that um, have that, that been crafted by amateurs that 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 um, are as inspiring as people who are, who are doing it all of the time. So yeah. I think everybody needs help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a bit about Mayfield. Now this is the largest privately owned garden <laughs> in the Southern Hemisphere out in Oberon and you're the creative director there, is that
1: no, no, I'm just a creative consultant. Oh, the right. creative director is still, still the owner and, right. and the person who decides what's what. And so so um, it's been going for 25 years and mm-hmm. uh, it's an extraordinary garden. It's a sub-temperate garden in Oberon, as you say, three, three hours out of town. And um, so we're, we're working on a number of things. So um, at the moment we're working on the paisley garden, which is a whole lot of paisley-shaped clipped colored mm-hmm. hedges clipped uh, clipped del- colored plants in the bu- in the bulb garden because what we discovered was the bulb garden mm-hmm. was looking great when the bulbs were out but the rest of the time you know people didn't walk down there and so we're trying to create a pattern in there mm-hmm. um, the other thing we're doing is creating curated walks because the garden's so big and there's there's a big section of the garden that's open 364 days a year, but there's a, there's a whole bunch of other private gardens that are opened only in the season in the seasonal opening. So there's a festivals, the festivals, the spring festival, summer festival, winter festival, autumn yep. festival. So we're we're actually connecting those things now to to ensure that when people come, because you've got to go more than you've got to go more than once in order to see the whole garden. It's so big. Yeah, and we, we want to make, some of the best elements of the of the garden weren't immediately available to the uninitiated visitor, so we're starting to to create curated walks okay. so that people see all the good stuff and and some of the best landscape features which which have been developed. Uh, you know, people don't miss them.
0: Is that a, a bit of a daunting task when you've got such a large area and mm-hmm. a garden that is going to continue to grow? You know, where do you start? Where do you stop? Where, you know, like you said, well, I, no idea is a bad idea, but is it a bit daunting?
1: Well. It can be, but mm-hmm. I think it's important that it's that, that, that you're not daunted by it. That you understand that in a big garden like that, it's it'll be there for generations. And the and the owner, Garrick Hawkins, is has set out for it to be in his family for generations and mm-hmm. it's it's a long term thing. So his his stewardship is is finite and, and so he's now I've got the next generation, Alex, his daughter, who's very, very keen, and who we're working with mm. to bring to bring more to Mayfield, to inject more colour into Mayfield, and to make sure that people really understand how good it is, and to attract more people to come out and look at it. And so, I'm I'm not daunted in as much as I think we just need to do the things that are in front of us that are that are determined as the priorities of the day yes. as well as they can be done, uh, understanding that we're we're just we're just the people who are working on this great garden at this time
0: yeah there's there's a legacy element to that isn't there you know your stewardship or your role in there will be handed over to somebody else Somewhere down the line, it will continue on, and that's what will make it a fantastic uh
1: And, the, pla- and the plants don't care about that. <laughs> no. they, just no, they-, keep, they just keep growing. They just yeah. keep growing. The, the, the seasons change. The plants drop their leaves. They put on new shoots. Yep. The, it rains. It, it, there's droughts. Yep. There's pandemics. But they just keep growing and responding to, you know, so, so the trees don't care.
0: No, they don't care about trends, do they? I mean, trends, they, they come and go. It might be a fire pit. It might be a... A succulent garden, or a prairie style meadow, or something like that. What do you think every Australian garden can't live without, though? What sort of trends have you seen that live on? Keep going.
1: Uh, um, well, yeah, it's interesting the trend piece, and I mean, going back to working with young designers, I always thought clipping things was for the uptight people, mm. and then I had this gardener <laughs> up in the mountains who just clipped things; he couldn't stop. And then I'm working working with all these people who who who, who are clipping things. I can't believe it but I've just designed a cloud garden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. spent
1: the weekend out there clipping yeah. and, and, you know okay so they're not box hedges in neat rows but they're still clipped elements there's still this 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 need to to dominate to, to shape mm. to, to craft a, a composition of living th- albeit living things yeah so look you know I was I was interested in in, in native gardens and I had this chainsaw gardening phase where I wanted to force the the merry stem, force the mallee habit into, into some of the Australian plants that, that respond to fire and and, and animal disturbance and, and form multi trunks. Yes. And, you know, I wanted I wanted the clients to cut the plants down and in winter to imitate fire. Mm. And even, you know, I even had some sections that I thought we could burn the grasslands and, you know. <clears throat> no one ever got behind that, Charlie. Str- strangely. Chainsaw, no no chainsaw one wanted gardening. to start a, a bushfire yeah. garden or no. Yeah, but then I moved on to rainforest gardens. Yeah. And then, and then there was a period where I worked with Marcia Hosking where I was just mad about cottage gardens. Yeah. The subtropical gardens. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just, just, it's never ending. And I think the, the, I've been very fortunate to go to lots of places and, and see gardens all over the world. Yes, and I think that every time I go, and and I've got to be careful that I'm not typecast as the landform guy at the moment. But ever since I went to Scotland and saw the Garden of Cosmic Speculation and all the other gardens that Jenks has made, yes, you know, forming forming that doing those grass landforms, and and uh, I, I I just I just ran with the ball, Charlie. I, I, I've been playing up in the mountains again over the long weekend. I've I, seen your I've,
0: Instagram about uh, the earthworks you're doing at your house. Now I. For those that don't know, a landform garden is uh, sculpting the land uh, and, and you just put grass over the finish and you just get this amazing effect of um, sort of depth and perspe- perspective. It's it's an interesting, I guess you have to Google the, the, cosmic,
1: the cosmic garden. The garden of cosmic speculation. Yeah, yeah, so
0: Google that to really understand it. But you're starting to play with that here in Australia well, it, and it's, making... It's, you're Yeah, making a for yourself, doing it.
1: Well, yeah. I've got to stop it because I'll be top casting <laughs> the landform guy. Because yeah. you know, I don't know what the next ne- ne- next 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 phase is going to be. But but the the piece to that, Charlie, that's really important to understand, is it's about elevation. It's about changing the perspective of the viewer. Yes. So you walk out on the landform, and you see you you. It's I don't know if if you climbed up on the roof, but if people climb up on the roof and they look at their garden from the roof. With a harness yeah. on, of course. I mean, be safe. You get, no, yeah, you, no, yeah. If you're going to do this at home, make sure you do it very safely. Yes. But in the event that you're very safely up on your roof, yep. you'll see your garden from a different angle. And, and, um, and it's it, landform gardening is a, is about changing elevation uninterrupted in space and seeing how the, how the landscape feels bigger. Mm. And The other thing I've discovered by making them is that you can actually create space where it doesn't exist because if you've got a sloping ground when mm. you level it up and then you you make an, ex, an extreme angle and then level it up you actually create these spaces that weren't there before and you create these negative spaces and these little sculpted cutouts um it's very hard to describe it you know without without experiencing it but you actually create space where it where it wasn't before and it, it's 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 um enchanting
0: yes yeah absolutely i think what it does well is um, there's nothing worse than looking out your window at a garden and seeing everything there because it, it doesn't inspire you to go out. You want something to draw you out, and then when you get out, be amazed <laughs> and then you go down this rabbit hole of exploring the garden. And that's what landform gardens do really well because they change the elevation and the angle. You've always got a new view, you've always got something to, to look at, and it draws you into the space.
1: Ab- absolutely. That, that's a key ingredient. That's a key. Yeah, because yeah, as you say, gardens should, I mean, we need to consider. I call it the flight deck. We need to consider what the garden looks like from where you live most of your life. Like 90% Mm. of waking hours are spent in the area I call the flight deck. So, you know, in the kitchen looking out Um, and, you know, island bench, sink, dishwasher, cooking for the family, cooking for friends. I think, you know, you need to craft the composition so that it it looks good from there, Mm -hmm. but also that, that it draws you out, absolutely draws you out it's a really really important element so i couldn't agree with you more there
0: yeah well look i could talk to you for, for hours about landscape design and and different theories and and different styles and different ways to enjoy your garden but it's so nice to talk to someone who's so passionate about gardening um and design construction and maintenance so thank you so much for your time thanks charlie it's been great so now it is time for our community questions, and Peter has asked quite a tricky one. He says, I've got lots of nutgrass in my lawn, and I've been told not to pull it out because it will multiply, and to spray it with a special nutgrass weed killer. Now I've tried this, but it seems to be taking a long time to die off. Am I going about this the right way? If you could just confirm the best way to approach the removal of the nutgrass and winter grass in my lawn, that would be great. Now, yes, this is a very tricky question and it will take you a long time. Now, nutgrass is very much like onion weed, it's the bane of my existence. When you pull it out, you're basically pulling a bulb out of the ground and all the baby bulbs fall off and create more plants, so you actually make the problem worse. So, pulling it is not the best way to do it unless you're removing huge amounts of soil. The best way to do it is to spray it with a specific herbicide. But the ones you can buy over the counter don't really pack the punch you need to kill this horrible thing off. So I would contact a local lawn care company that will have access to some decent chemicals that can then apply it and spray it for you. Now I don't suggest you trying to get your hands on these chemicals because you need to be qualified to use them and to make them work to their best. So get in touch with a professional and get them around to help you out. Now Miriam says my daughter accidentally cut the tops off my frangipani tree. Doesn't sound like an accident to me Miriam but what can I do to save the tree? Do I cut the branches back? And she's attached a photo. She said this is not the only branch she did so let me describe this. This is a frangipani that looks like it's had the branches snapped off it and then Miriam's gone up to tidy up the cuts so I don't judge her daughter but don't worry it's a frangipani tree it will come back it does look a little bit sticky at the moment but i wouldn't cut it back any further i would just leave it allow it to shoot and it will shoot from each point it will shoot maybe two or three new branches you can remove the ones that are going to cross over with each other and rub you could remove the ones that are going to give an unsightly looking tree but just give it time it will come back do you have a gardening question you'd like me to answer well send me an email charlie at still.com.au I really could speak with Michael Bates for hours about garden design. It was great to hear his thoughts and share his passion of ours with you today. The key points to consider when designing a gardener, don't be afraid to talk to an expert. Now, this can be a collaborative experience. A good garden designer will guide you in drainage, layout, soil health and so much more. I mean, talking to an expert works in every part of gardening, including getting the right tools for the job. And for that, you need to head to your local steel dealer. Design your garden from the flight deck. How is your garden going to look from the spaces where you spend most of your time inside the house? And remember that designing a garden is a long-term project. Give it the time it deserves and it will reach its full potential. Thanks for listening to That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. Do you need the tools to take on any garden challenge? Well, go to the Still website or head to your local Still dealer today. You can find us on Instagram as well at still underscore au and follow me on Instagram as well, charlie underscore albone. This is the final episode in the series. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please leave a review wherever you've downloaded the podcast from. Maybe go one better and start from episode one again because just like the garden, we'll be here for 12 months of the year. And don't forget to check out Still's blog with plenty of great gardening advice, tips and tricks. I'm Charlie Albone and thank you for listening